purge her uh, in these days. I know that you will. And uh, let's do that now. Can we pray together? And I'll lead us in prayer. You pray along with me. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you uh, not only care enough for us to come to us and deliver us from our sins, which is the ultimate healing to forgive us and to save our souls and deliver us out of debauchery and slavery to sin. But Lord, you also have delivered us from the penalty and of sin and the power of sin over our body and the very presence of sin one day. And Lord, we struggle with things in this life because of sin. And I pray for our sister, our friend Kippy today. She's at home and she's had a a tough, not just a couple of weeks, I was about to say, but months and months. I lift her up to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Sometimes the enemy comes as he did Job and uh, the lady there in the Gospels it comes against, as he did to uh, Paul, Satan comes to buffet us. And though you have higher purposes and you allow those purposes to be fulfilled in us, I pray for relief, I pray for healing, I pray for grace, for your purposes to be fulfilled. And I just pray that you would deliver uh, our friend, uh, encourage her, I pray for Tim as he ministers to her that you would gird him with strength, too. It's hard sometimes to be a a caregiver in those times. I've seen my wife care for me in in similar situations, so I pray for my brother, and uh, we pray for them this morning as our family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and locate two places, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And after you find that, I want you to find Judges chapter 21. We don't uh, go to Judges very often. I actually preached through the book of Judges every every verse uh, years ago, and it was quite a journey. I remember somebody came to me uh, during that uh, series of messages and said, I didn't know some of these stories were in the Bible. This is wild. And uh, there's some really powerful stuff there in the book of Judges. But Proverbs 2 and Judges 21, and uh, you may want to jot some things down today. I think it will help you. I'm sure that uh, the people that have impacted my life the most uh, from the time that it was a little boy were people that have godly wisdom. And I mean, when I say impacted, I mean at a very deep level. And it's because of what they said. I still carry in my mind, in my heart, uh, quotes, and if not quotes, principles of what they said and how they lived and how they executed those particular principles by their behavior. Um, My parents, first of all, and others, I'll not list these people because you've heard me preach so often. But many of those people have gone on to be with the Lord because of my age. Uh, but gratefully, he's still bringing them across my path. I need uh, these precious people. I would encourage you sometime to, uh, in your time with the Lord, uh, it's kind of a fun exercise just to think about people that have influenced you and the qualities and the attributes that uh, they brought and begin to put down illustrations and stories and incidents. And if they're still alive, to, to write them. And tell them, I remember when. 
and uh, and it may take you a while to write a letter like that. I, I sent one this week to someone. It was about three pages long. Uh, someone said, dead noses smell no roses. Someone else said, you can't read your headstone, you can't read your tombstone. And so so give a gift while it can be appreciated. Um, my sister, when my mom passed away, was uh, cleaning out my mom's bedroom, uh, kind of going out through some things and and brought me some letters that I had sent my mom and my dad. And she said these were uh, in mom's dresser right by her bed and uh, things that I had sent her. And it takes time, but it's appreciated and enumerate those things. Um, you know, unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude. And so take the time to think about it, and, and, and it, it means something. I would encourage you to do that, especially in this Thanksgiving season. This past week, I was uh, filing some old papers and just some articles and so forth. I came across an old uh, church bulletin from several years ago, and we'd had a guest speaker, and the speaker that we had always uh, brings it and has a lot of wisdom. And I began to read the notes that I had made on that bulletin. and probably didn't have a piece of paper or anything in my Bible to write on. So I was just writing on the church bulletin. And what was characteristic about that is I didn't write the outline. I wrote down wisdom. Uh, I wrote down quotes. I wrote down things that I was getting out of it that helped me. And I think I've told you that through the years that I'm always looking for something that will help me to grow, that will make me wiser, that will help me to have insight. Now, the Bible teaches, and I've taught you this for these weeks as we've talked about wisdom. That's what I want to talk to you about today again, how to grow in wisdom. Is that wisdom is to be one of the primary pursuits in our life. No one is born wise. Nobody. Now, you can be born intelligent, but you're not born wise. In fact, the Proverbs tells us this, that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You know what the word bound means? It means to bind like you do a rope. Uh, You take a rope and you begin to bind it around and around. Foolishness is bound around the heart of a child, multiple layers In other words, you and I were were born fools in that sense. You know what the rest of the verse says? But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The Bible teaches corporal discipline uh, in that scripture. But no one is born wise. We have to seek wisdom. We have to appreciate discipline. Now, as long as you can live without wisdom, you won't have it. And even among God's people, there are many people that do not have wisdom. I would say, um, I would say the minority of people that I meet of Christians do not have godly wisdom. I don't say they're not godly, but they don't have godly wisdom. Now, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Wisdom is a principal thing. The word principal there means primary uh, the word means first in rank, first in order, uh, first in time and place. It means first. Wisdom is the first thing. It means the fountainhead. It means you need to you need to place a primary place of emphasis on wisdom. 
Wisdom is primary. Wisdom is to be priority in your life. Therefore, look at this, therefore get wisdom. I told you this, and we've hit this verse the last three or four weeks, and, and you can see the urgency here. He said, wisdom is, is principal, it's primary. It ought to be first. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all that getting, with everything you get in life, get understanding, get wisdom. Because when you and I lack wisdom, we get conflict, we get failure, and we get unnecessary problems. And again, I repeat this, as long as you're willing to live without God's wisdom, uh, you're going to have not just unnecessary conflict, but you're going to grow in exponential trouble. Now, if you, if you have cats, and I don't want to have you raise your hand or anything, uh, we don't have cats. I, I don't get along with cats, and they don't get along with me. I remember when I would go visit in homes, uh, a cat would see me and get demon-possessed. Just for a sudden, I don't know why. I wouldn't even do anything. I would just walk in. Now, I'm sure you say, well, my cat wouldn't. I believe you, but let's not try, okay? And so, um, let me give an illustration here. It's like if you take a perfect ball of twine that's just been wrapped in the factory. I don't know how they do that. You ever see those little things on Facebook, how they make things sometimes on YouTube? And how they make things fascinating to me. But they have this perfect ball of twine. Everything is in place. And uh, you leave that on the floor and a cat comes in and starts playing with it. and starts uh, pulling all of the, the layers out and <laughs> rearranging it somehow. And you come in there and get that ball of twine. Not only is it uh, disassembled, but it, it's reassembled. And you, you are not only not going to be able to put that together in any close to... Uh, what it was in its original condition, it is practically ruined. And that's very similar to what we do. when Listen, every day that you live without wisdom, every decision you make without wisdom is like a cat playing with a ball of twine. You, you, you have a perfect day ahead of you. You haven't made any bad decisions. You haven't made any bad choices. You haven't said anything rude. You haven't said anything unnecessary. But when you do not have a filter of wisdom, when you do not have God's wisdom in your heart, what happens is that old nature, that old heart that's bound with foolishness, with wickedness, that old nature, it begins to pull away. And then at the end of the day, we look back and, and we look at this mess. You know what's sad? Some of us, we look back at the end of a lifetime. And if we're not careful, and we'll see this as we go through the message here, if we're not careful, we blame other people. Well, look what my parents did. Look what my brothers did. Look what the company did to me. And, uh, and yes, there are external factors sometimes, but I'm going to tell you something. Much of it is our own foolishness. It's our own folly. Now, Proverbs chapter 2, your Bible is open there. It contains a recipe of sorts, a pathway to becoming a wise person. Now, <clears throat> I was tempted just to go through this, but my purpose here is to show you the need for wisdom. And I'm really not going to give you the solution. I'm just going to point out one, one, one aspect of a solution. 
But when we read through this passage, here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice the, that wisdom is conditional. And there is an if-then clause. I remember when I had uh, geometry in high school, uh, we were studying the if-then. We were studying triangles and so forth, that if this is true, well, then this must be true. And uh, there are some conditions here. And you will see this. Notice in Proverbs chapter 2, and here's the idea that if you want the benefit, you must meet the condition. Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if thou, you see that, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that, okay, that's the idea too, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. Now this is intentional. And apply thine heart to understanding. So here's a man, a woman, a teenager, Even a child, Jesus was 12 and seeking wisdom. You're inclining, not declining, inclining, leaning in towards wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, liftest up thy voice for understanding. Third time, if thou seekest after her as silver and searchest for her as for treasure, then, and here's the result, if, 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 then. Then, if you do these things, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find, okay, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord, here it is, for the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler, that means a shield. He protects you. And he'll protect your mind. He'll protect you from some unnecessary consequences to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Then, here's another, then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. There's so much here in this passage. I want to highlight verse 4 again, if you'll look back there again. If thou seekest her as silver. Now the her, this is personifying wisdom. As a lady. And here he says, if you will seek her, seek wisdom as silver and searches for her as for hid treasure. Once you look at those verbs, seekest means to search after something with intensity. In other words, like it's money. If someone said, you can have this, this silver, you can have this money, it's a lot of money, but you have to seek after it. You've you got to pay the price. An intense search. You would do that. And then notice again in verse 4, searches for her as for hid treasure. And that word means to diligently look for something because it's not easy to find. This treasure that's hid, and, you, and you're going to take your spade out there, and you're going to go dig and dig, and you're going to pay the price. And then the Bible says again in verse 5, Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. God gives wisdom. God will give you his wisdom. Now I have a question for you. When I wrote this question, it really hit me in a powerful way because I'm afraid of the answer for many people. I want you to listen to this question. Are you content to live without God's wisdom? Now, listen, are you content to live without God's wisdom? Because I'm going to tell you the answer. For some of you, the answer is yes. 
Because some of you have not searched for God as silver and as a hid treasure all week. You haven't opened your Bible all week. You haven't prayed and sought God all week. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. You're not going to find wisdom, and you're not going to have a filter or a buckler to protect you. You're not going to have a, a path to guide you. You're not going to know the wisdom of God. And so what that tells me is, is that when we do this, that we're just content to live without his wisdom. We're content to live with our perspectives. We're content to live with our own resources. And when we do this, because we all do this in our own ways, there's different ways. We miss God's best. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, the Bible says, Let the wicked forsake his way. His way. Now, the word way doesn't mean your way of doing things. The word way is a path, a road. It means... It means the road that you take your life's journey on. It's a highway. It means a course of the way of living, the way you live your life. But, but the metaphor here is of a highway. And it's the way that you live your life, the way that you live your life's journey. But, but imagine a highway. This is your, the way you, it's ingrained. It's cut out. This is the way you live your life, your habits. And the Bible says the wicked needs to forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Your way and your thoughts, the way you think. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy unto him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The word forsake there means to repent of. It means to leave and abandon. Now God says lost people, but even Christians... When they're absent wisdom, we need, we need to abandon our wicked ways and our wicked thoughts. And notice what it says, His way. Because when we are absent God's wisdom, when we're absent His thoughts, they're wicked. Now here's these famous verses. We've looked at these. I want to highlight them again. But notice in verse 8, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. We get words from letters. We get God's Bible from God's thoughts. If you want to know God's thoughts, read His words. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God doesn't think the way you do. Sometimes God's wisdom is contrary to your wisdom. And you say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, that's correct. And you follow God's ways even when they don't make sense to you. My thoughts are not your ways. Neither are my ways. My highway is not your highway. My way... Is not your way. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher. They're better than your ways. And here, my thoughts are higher. They're better than your thoughts. So if you want God's wisdom, you have to go to God's word. But you have to forsake your ways. You have to forsake your thoughts. Because some of you, now listen carefully, some of you are content to live with your own wisdom. And this is where it comes into a, a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, maybe a better way to say it, and understanding a Christian frame of reference. What is a Christian? What is a biblical way to live? When you watch the news, when you, watch, when you have entertainment, 
do you have a biblical frame of reference? You know, I, I, I'm a little leery of people calling obedience legalism. If anybody wants to obey God anymore, libertarians just say, oh, oh well, that's legalistic. No, that's just obedience. I'm just obeying. This is what God said to do. And you need to be careful. Listen, you need to be careful about this. In fact, I prefer the term externalism. Externalism is, is when you live for appearance of others. I understand what legalism is. I know what, I don't want to go into this, not that message. But when you've grown up in the church, sometimes you get this worldview, and sometimes it's like a pendulum. When a pendulum is over here in an extreme, and it comes back, it never stops in the middle. It comes over here. And so rarely is there balance. And I've seen it happen in ministries. I've seen it happen in lives. I've seen it happen in universities. And there's rarely balance because people react to the suffering and, and indignities that have happened over here for other reasons. Let me give you another scripture. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Notice the word way there. The word way again, it's a road, a path. It's, it's the way a person chooses to take their life's journey. A highway. The end, when you choose that way, the end thereof are the ways of death. But here's what I want to highlight to you. There's a way, now look at this, that seemeth right. That seemeth right unto a man. You think a man's you think a man is going to choose a highway that's going to end in his death? No. No. Why this road's going to give me pleasure. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Nobody, nobody's going to get on the the pathway that's going to bring them pain. Nobody is. But wisdom always considers the future. Foolishness doesn't do that. Folly always says, oh, I want what's in it for me now. Prodigal. Give me my inheritance now. There's no patience. There's no endurance. There's no character. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes we take this scripture and we apply it to, to the ways of salvation, but I think there's, that's really, you can apply it that way, but that's not what it's talking about. This applies even to God's people. These are people that are bereft of wisdom. What are you doing? Look at your choices you're making. The end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right to you. You're not doing this because you're trying to ruin your life. You have your Bible open to Judges chapter 21. The book of Judges, if you know the book, it's a book of judgment. It's a book of chaos, it's a book of, of destruction, a book of confusion. They wanted, they wanted a king, and so God gave them a king. God gave them judges to rule by. And the last verse in the book, in Judges chapter 21, it's the same idea. Look there, Judges 21 and verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel... 
Every man did that which was wrong in his own eyes. Now, I misquoted it, didn't I? Because they didn't do that. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. They were in bad shape, but they were in bad shape not because they were doing in their own eyes wrong things. They were doing wrong things. But the wrong was in the wrong was they measured their standard by their own eyes. And what they thought was right was wrong because their right was according to their standard in their own eyes. And one of the one of the qualities there was a lack of of wisdom, when you leave God's revelation, God's insight, God's wisdom, God's word out of your decisions, you're going to end up with the best that you can do, and the end thereof are always the ways of death. There's no wisdom in it, and it's going to sting you. It's going to hurt you. You cannot violate the ways of God, the thoughts of God, without experiencing the ways of death. I hope you're listening to me. I'm a pastor. I don't say that that I have authority. I'm a pastor and I, I counsel people. I'm with people at their worst moments. In their vomit. Literally the Vomit. Within God's ways or wisdom, even if you do not understand what you're doing, what you're doing, but you're doing right. This is the right thing to do because God said it was right. I want to ask you a question. Are you content to live without God's wisdom? Because if you are, it's going to surface. By burdens, by problems, by a complicated life. But if you do live by God's wisdom, that's going to surface too. When you're 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 24, it has a cumulative way of just showing up in your life. And people will point at you and say, you lucked out. No, no you didn't. You just didn't do what was right in your own eyes. You just did what God told you to do. Even when you didn't feel like it, even when it didn't make sense, you, you followed God's wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Wisdom, as used in the Bible, is the idea of skill. It's the ability to use knowledge in a practical way. It's knowledge applied with insight. It's not intelligence. You can be intelligent and have wisdom, but wisdom is separate from intelligence. It, it is the intelligence, it's the ability to apply something in an insightful way. Listen to this. Here's what insight is. It's deep understanding of a person's situation or problem. I like that definition. Insight. Deep understanding of a person, of a situation, or a problem. Insight is a capacity to have an accurate and intuitive understanding. And that's what wisdom gives you. It, there, there's an intuitiveness to it that sometimes you can't explain. But God gives it. It's a gift of God. It's not spooky. Sometimes it comes by experience. Sometimes you can explain it. Sometimes you can't. Let me illustrate it. 
Henry Ford, the great automaker, this is probably in the uh, 20s or 30s, uh, 100 years ago, uh, he asked uh, Charlie Steinmetz. Charlie Steinmetz was an electrical genius. He had uh, built the generators for Henry Ford's factories. Of course, uh, uh, Henry Ford created all the uh, Ford Motor Company. And in the factory, one day the generators just ground to a halt. And so Ford called his repairmen in. They couldn't fix it. And they said, well, we, we cannot fix the problem. So Ford called Steinmetz, who created these generators and was a genius. He came to the property. He stayed a few hours and tinkered with the machines. And through the switch, they word to life. And... Uh, they got a bill in the mail that came to Ford's desk. It was for $10,000. Back then, it was a lot of money. And Ford was very upset. $10,000. $10,000 for staying a few hours. So he inquired with Charlie Steinmetz. He said, why, why was this repair bill $10,000? Steinmetz sent him a note, and here's what it said. For tinkering with the generators, $10.00. For knowing where to tinker, $9,990. And he paid the bill. Now, I'll tell you something. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what to do. It's knowing how to apply the knowledge. It gives you the ability of knowing what to do. Well, then, and I may speak about this later. I'm going to. I don't know that I'll do it next week because sometimes I feel like we're tired of you talking about this subject. But you need it. Why don't people have more wisdom? Well, simply put, is we don't pay the price. We don't want to pay the price because there's a price tag for it. And the price tag I want to give you this morning, and I'm going to go through this quickly, is we're not desperate for it. Remember in Proverbs 2, we don't seek for it as silver. We don't search for it as hid treasure. We, we just we, we want it to be a gift. Wisdom, people with wisdom aren't lucky. It didn't fall in your lap. They paid a price for it. Every person should value wisdom because it has incredible benefits. Those in God's will need wisdom. I'm just going to quote the verse and say something. I've given this to you, but I want, I want to summarize this. Ephesians 5.15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools... But is wise. I told you several weeks ago, circumspectly, two words, spectacle to see. Circum means to look around. I'm looking around. Fools don't do that. Not as fools, but as wise. Now that takes effort. It's intentional living. Redeeming the time. The days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. If you want to be in the will of God tomorrow, be in the will of God today. Walk circumspectly every day. What is the will of God for me right now? You know what the will of God for you right now is to listen to the message. You know what the will of God will be if you to apply the message. You know what the will of God in, in just a little bit is, is to enjoy your family at lunch. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm as serious as a heart attack. Some of us live so much in the future, and we're never in the will of God. You're, the will of God is today. It's good to plan, 
Well, you read James 4 about planning. It doesn't negate planning. But you better have a good day today. And if you want to be in the will of God tomorrow, you be in the will of God today. You have a good day today. It's amazing what a good day will take care of tomorrow. Those doing God's work need wisdom. Exodus 28.3, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. God has given you a spiritual gift, and you have intuitive sight in that gift. You're wise in that gift. Use that. Those that are leaders need wisdom. Deuteronomy 34, 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. And, and you lead. You may not have a position, but if you're in your home, your mom, your dad, your leader, leaders solve problems. They make decisions. And, and if you're good in those two things, you will, you will get promoted. I taught you that. Be a good problem solver. Make good decisions. Don't, don't seek position as much. Not saying it's not wrong to have aspiration, but I am saying that what's better than having aspiration is to be a good problem solver. Make good decisions, make sound decisions. And the people that count will make sure you get promoted. Those that are leaders, you get wisdom. Those that preach God's word need wisdom. When Stephen preached, the Bible says in Acts 6:10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom. And the spirit by which he spake, Acts 6.10. The spirit, the disposition by which he spake, the Holy Spirit enabled him and the wisdom. You know, some preachers don't speak with wisdom and, and, and God pity the people that hear them. The Bible speaks about it in the tribulation periods and people will be saved. I believe there are people that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And those people will be persecuted, and the Bible teaches that they will be beheaded. And they will come before legal authorities. It's interesting what the Bible says about them in Luke chapter 21 and verse 15. God says, I will give you a mouth and wisdom. Now, how will we see this wisdom manifest? Which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. When you stand before those legal authorities, I will give you the ability to speak wisdom. And the word gainsay there means to refute. Because wisdom comes from God. And they will not be able to resist or to withstand what you stand there and say. Oh, teacher, those of you that handle the word of God, you need God's wisdom. And so we come to today and... I give you this, those that are parents need wisdom. Those that are parents need wisdom. We need wisdom in our homes. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3, Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. This is very plain, very simple. By wisdom a house is builded. There are blueprints. There's a foundation But he's not talking about a physical house. He's using that illustration and saying that we need to do this with wisdom. Instead of concrete, it's wisdom. And by understanding, it's established. The Hebrew word established there means to be stable and firm. 
It has a solid and fixed foundation. This morning, as I was going through the notes, I thought about this passage in Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whosoever heareth these words, Jesus said, these sayings of mine, and do listen and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on a rock. You hear the words of Jesus, you obey them, says you're wise. And trials come, rain descends, floods came, the winds blew. And beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. You know what the rock was? Obedience. Rain, trials come from above. Wind comes, they come from the side. The floods come, they come from beneath. They come from everywhere. But your obedience to God, because of your wisdom, your home is established upon the authority of the Word of God. And you are a wise person. Your house will stand. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. Some of you are hearing the word of God this morning. And I say this kindly, but you'll go out of here a fool. And doeth them not. Shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. And beat upon that house, and it fell. And look at this, and great was the fall of it. You ever seen that? Great was the fall of it. Because it didn't last, because there was no rock, there was no obedience. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, Every wise woman buildeth her house. Every wise man too, but the Proverbs says a woman. I preached on this text one Mother's Day. But the foolish, the idea of a foolish mom. Don't be a foolish mom. A foolish mom plucks her house down with her hands. Moms need wisdom. Grandmothers need wisdom. Aunts need wisdom. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. You need wisdom in the way you talk to your husband, the way you talk to your children, with wisdom, with kindness, and what to say, what not to say, the tone you use. The Holy Spirit will say, you, you better not say that. We need wise children. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heareth his father's instruction. Those of you that are young people, your college students, listen to this. A wise son, a wise daughter, a wise grandson hears his father, his, his grandfather's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Now, I think one of the uh, most profound passages on parenting is in Ephesians 6, 4. It's got everything in it. It's a good verse to memorize if you're trying to parent your kids. I think the most important thing you'll do is to train your children. I believe that. It requires an enormous amount of wisdom. And your role changes from the time they're babies to their toddlers to the teenagers. And then when they're adults, your role with your kids changes. And the way you dispense wisdom changes. But let me just hone in just for a few minutes here on Ephesians 6, 4. I have it for you, I think, on the screen. I think Andrew has it there. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That's the first aspect of training there. But bring them up. That's the second aspect, bringing them up. 
and the nurture, that's the third aspect, and admonition of the Lord. Those four things, those four primary emphasis. You need wisdom in all those areas. First of all, wisdom to know when you're creating anger in your children. Provoke not your children to wrath. Now, you don't need wisdom to know that your child is angry. You need wisdom to know when you're provoking anger. And there's a lot of ways. I just kind of selected one here. I think a lot of times we provoke children, we provoke anger in our children when we, by our expectations. Now, when you're, when you're 30 years old and you have a toddler, you don't think like a toddler, you think like a 30-year-old. When you're 40 years old and you have a teenager, you think like a 40-year-old and you, you don't think like a teenager. Now, if you want to be a good parent, you think like a toddler and you think like a teenager. And when you're and when you're 63 years old and you have adult children, you think like a older person. And there's some good aspects of that because there's some warnings you can give them. You you need to think like that. But on the other hand, rather than provoking it, you need to think according to their age. I, I used this illustration with you before, but it's like when I would take my children to the mall. This happened. I'm so embarrassed more than once. And we'd be walking. And uh, I think John's here. I think it happened with John and the other kids. My mind would be on something, but I'm spending time with my kids. And I'd hear a voice. I'd say, Daddy, can you slow down? You're walking too fast. Oh, I'm so sorry. My long stride, they could not keep pace with my long stride. Now, they were angry. They were just frustrated. They couldn't keep pace with me. And your little four-year-old can't keep pace with your expectations. I can remember telling my kids, I get frustrated when they were little. I said, stop acting like a child when they were children. What an idiot. Me, not them. What an idiot. And the Bible here says, provoke not your children to wrath. And guess what? They can't do anything about it. Now, a wise parent says, okay, now now where are they? It doesn't mean you excuse foolishness, but you exert some compassion here. And you need, to, you need to get inside the emotions and the mind of a child and of a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 30-year-old son or daughter and what it's like to buy a first house or what it's like to... You know, it's easy to tell your kids... When they don't have any money in the bank, and you do have, oh, I, I remember what that was like. And they're sitting there, yeah, but you have money in the bank now, and I don't. I'm not saying you need to bail them out every time. But it's just easy. It's just easy for us to condescend and give advice. Provoke not your children to wrath. We need wisdom. And then the Bible says, bring them up. That phrase means to bring to maturity by providing nourishment, by feeding them. It has the idea of a process of of putting someone in a growth environment. That's the idea of not just feeding them, but it's it's a process. It's a growth environment. Growth is a byproduct of health, and health is a byproduct of specific factors. So I need wisdom to know how to establish an atmosphere of growth. 
That requires thinking. All of these things require thinking. And I'm talking to parents. I'll talk to kids in a few minutes maybe. But what happens is we just get lazy. We don't like to think. What kind of a growth? I preached on this about a year or two ago. But about a growth environment in your home from this passage. Have you ever thought about that? You, you do have an environment in your home, whether you like it or not. Maybe you've never thought about it. Is it healthy? You need to, you need to step back and say, what, what kind of environment is in our family? Bring them up in the nurture. This is one of the essentials. The word nurture means to train by discipline and chastening. Thirdly, I need wisdom to know how to effectively discipline my child. This is not punishment. Punishment does not have an objective. Whenever you, you punish someone without an objective, it's usually just anger. It's, it's training. There were two rules that I always tried to use. I always tried to do this. And I think two keys in discipline is consistent, consistency. Can't say it. Consistency and love. If you're not consistent, you'll you'll never train your kids. You just won't do it. You have to be consistent every time. I've been in restaurants and I've left the restaurant and taken my kids home and spanked them. We've been on the highway. I pulled on the highway and opened the door where the cars couldn't see them and spanked my kids. You have to be consistent. By the way, when you do that, consistent enough, they will really. Okay, he said he means what he says. None of this. One, two, three. I said three. I'm about to say four. That's foolishness. And they get their image from God from that. And they think God's up in heaven. God doesn't operate like that. God is consistent. And then in love. Whenever it's not in love, it never works. Angry discipline never works. I can remember telling the kids on some occasions... You need a spanking, but I can't spank you because I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad, and I can't do it. Now, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe that wasn't wise. But the truth was, is I could not handle that. That's, this is not a good time right now for me to be able to do that. You need to be consistent. This is wisdom. It's so basic. Consistency and loving discipline. And then bring them up and admonition of the Lord. If nurture is chastening, then admonishment, I'll use the word coaching, it's teaching. It, it comes from a compound word, which means to put a, it means to put a word in someone's ear. It is a loving rebuke is what it is. And it's really to, it has the idea of encouragement too, but it's correcting it's letting them know when they've done wrong. Letting them know when they've done right, too. But it's coaching them. It's teaching them. Now, this is why, this is the way you behave in church. It's not just saying, well, don't do that. It's saying, you don't need to do that because. Here's what happens. And explain things to them. I could go on. Fathers and mothers need wisdom. Let me close with this. God help us. We need wisdom in our homes. Those who seek a good life need wisdom. You want to have a good life? 
all of the above. And I could go on. I just selected six of these. If you want a good life, you must have wisdom. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. I like this. Shall find good. This is, these are the words of God. The word soul there includes your emotions, your mind, your conscience. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. This is not just counting your years on a calendar. This is not just a quantity of days. This is a quality of life. God says you'll have a good life. People that are wise have a good life. It doesn't mean you won't ever get sick. It doesn't mean your heart won't be broken sometimes. It just means you'll, you'll find good. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. You'll have a good conscience. You'll have a good emotional life. You'll have a good mental life. Oh, young people, get this. Get this. How many painful consequences in negative situations... We encounter because of a lack of wisdom. Wisdom is not luck. Wisdom is not a gift. It is a choice that God gives to a person when they're desperate for it. You can be wise. And listen, you can grow in wisdom. The Bible says about the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 2 and verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom. Have you, ever, have you ever prayed that? God, give me more wisdom. I pray that almost every day of my life. Almost every day. Not just give me wisdom, but God, give me more wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Again, the scripture we looked at, Proverbs 2 and verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth... And here's where he speaks out of his mouth. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And in all of these things, the will of God, your ministry, your work, your leadership, teaching and preaching the Bible, your home, your family, having a good life. If you need wisdom in these things, you, you must not be content to, to, to go by your own thoughts and your own ways and doing what you think is right. Because you're, you're going to be confined to what you have, and what you have is not enough. God, we, we need you. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1, Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. What does that verse mean? The word desire means to long after something. It's the object of my desire. It's, it's a priority. Through desire... A man having separated himself, that means he, he severs himself, he divides himself. He, he pulls himself aside and, and he gets in this book. And, and he reads. He reads the Word of God. He reads other literature. Do you read or you just watch TV all the time? Do you have an entertainment mindset? Say, well, I don't like to read. What kind of person do you want wisdom? So many people are interested in, in having a buff body, but they don't want a buff mind. I'm not talking about intelligence. They, they, they don't want to be sharp spiritually. They, they don't want to pursue 
wisdom, making horrible decisions. Through desire, priority, a man severing himself, separating himself, seeketh and intermeddleth. That's an old English word that means deep involvement. He seeks and has deep involvement with all wisdom. Well, that verse is chock full. I didn't give Andrew the next verse, but here's what the next verse says. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. A fool just says, I'm not interested. I'll just leave that up to y'all. I'll just, I'll just leave the Bible study up to you. You just tell me what it says. And uh, I'll just be a, a mile wide and an inch thick for the rest of my days. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 16 Wherefore is there a price in the, this is a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? Of course, the answer is, well, no, that's why he's a fool. Because he won't bring the price to the table. And the price this morning is desperation. I've got to have this. I'm sick and tired. Of living without wisdom. Here's a question in a verse Psalm 94 8. Understand ye brutish among the people and ye fools, when will ye be wise? The word brutish there means totally wasted. It means really a fire has come by and just wasted everything. But you're, you're living a wasted life. Understand, you brutish, you're just wasting everything, your gifts, your personality, and you fool, when will you be wise? And listen to this, it starts, it starts in the home. Young people, listen, it starts in your home. Proverbs 15, 5, a fool despiseth his father's instruction. Some of you, some of you need to go to your mom and dad and say, I am sorry for resisting your authority. I am sorry for resisting your authority. I have not, I have not opened myself up and listened to you. Yeah, but preacher, my... I got you there because my mom and dad, they're not saved. It doesn't say a fool despises his Christian father's instruction. That's not what it says. Not what it says. And your unsaved mom and dad are never going to come to Christ until you have a respectful attitude. You listen to them. Do you need wisdom? Will you humble yourself? At the beginning of this message, I told you of people that have impacted my life with their wisdom. What kind of effect and influence are you having? Are you touching lives? Are you living like a fool? Are you, are you going through life circumspectly? Or are you just kind of taking life as it comes and just, just wasting Wasting your days. Maybe you're hearing you've never been saved. You never trust Jesus as your Savior. The most important thing you can do is run to the cross. 
Say, God, I need you. I need to be saved. I, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I don't want to go to hell. I need to be saved. I need your help. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. You've been so attentive and I appreciate that.